0: I think I can sum up the show for you with one word,
1: nothing. And now, giving you access to the locker rooms and the minds of the independent scene, here are the curtain jerkers of pro wrestling podcasting, Mike Crockett.
0: Actually, I prefer to be called maestro.
1: And the kingpin, Brian Malonis.
0: He's the win, and nobody beats him.
2: This is the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, on the New Age Insiders Network.
3: Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, episode 54, presented by BDARadio.com. There are so many pro-wrestling podcasts out there covering every facet of the business. So we went to BDA Radio and said we had a different idea for a podcast. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. They said, what's wrestling podcast about? We said nothing. And thankfully, they said, We think you may have something here. So here we are. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars, the Irresistible Force, the Immovable Object, the Tag Team Specialist, the Kingpin,
2: Brian Malonis well tag team specialists uh, of the super heavyweight variety
3: <laughs> sure are you get a well we're recording this on saturday you get a big match sunday with your triple xl tag team partner ace romero correct
2: correct
3: and your tag team and all over the place you got about 12 different partners going on
2: well you know i try to uh, diversify buddy <laughs> <laughs> variety is the
3: spice of life they say brian
2: ain't that the truth mike
3: it is certainly, well, I mean, I, I said it, so of course it's the truth. Uh, <laughs> just want to let everyone know that the NAI Network archived episodes are now on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing feed, our original feed. As they come off the NAI Network feed, they go on to the BDA Radio WPAN feed. So check out our older episodes, episodes 39 through, I think, 41 or 42, are now back on the WPAN feed. So you can go back and listen to like our Royal Rumble Summit, which is one of our most popular episodes ever. You can find that now on the WPAN feed. So if you're wondering why a bunch of episodes popped up on that feed last week, that's why. We're adding the archives from the NAI Network over there on the WPAN feed. And today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing on the NAI Network, We've got a forking great promo about nothing.
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa.
3: (laughs) It's forking great, Brian. (laughs) We'll hear more about it later. But first, we are joined here, Brian, by a guy who started out wrestling right here in New England. He then went on to Chikara to join the Devastation Corporation and most recently was a part of Evolve, one of the most talked about promotions in the country, as one half of the gatekeepers. But last weekend, seemingly out of nowhere, he made this post on social media. Quote, as tends to happen in contact sports, cumulative injuries take their toll. I am no different, and it is time to walk away from professional wrestling. To everyone who has supported or helped me along the way, thank you and God bless. Unquote. Well, we're going to talk about that announcement and his wrestling career as a whole today here on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. So here is the man best known as Flex Rumble Crunch. But note to us as Sean Burke. Hello, Sean.
1: How are you guys?
3: Doing all right.
2: Fantastic. So, Burke, I just want to get this right out of the way, right in the beginning. You couldn't have retired before I had to rescue you for like eight months straight?
1: <laughs> well, so that would have been, I would have retired in like year one at that point. So, no. Yeah, your no, point?
2: Have. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I had to bury you. You knew it was coming.
1: Yeah, of course. That's okay. I got, I'll, I'll think of something for you later.
3: <laughs> right, right out of the gate. Um, Mr. Burke, you talked about uh, cumulative injuries. Now, does this go all the way back to um, your days? Uh, you played college football, right?
1: Yes, I did. Yeah, Division Two at Bentley.
3: Okay. And so did that have anything to do with what's going on now?
1: No. Actually, um, I, I used to, and this, this kind of sucks for me now, it's probably uh, karma but I used to, uh, kind of brag about through my entire football career, I played football for 15 years and the worst injury I ever had was a slightly chipped elbow. Um, so I used to kind of brag about how I wasn't injury prone or anything like that. Uh, as far as I know, i never had any concussions, uh, or anything playing football. And, uh, unfortunately it's, it it was indeed wrestling. I don't want to like say that and kind of shine wrestling in a bad light. I just think it, uh, kind of luck of the draw um but the yeah the injuries i I was talking about there i kind of i kind of purposely left that a little bit vague because i don't know i just i guess there's there's kind of a stigma about concussions and i didn't really want to become known as a concussion guy but it indeed was concussions uh over the last couple of years i've had a few and i've ended up in the hospital twice on them um most recently wrestlemania weekend for evolve down in florida uh, I got kicked in the top of the head, uh, catching a dive and I went blind. Well, not blind. I went, my, my, I lost my vision. Everything was kind of blurry for about 20, 30 minutes. I, I you know, I'd be talking to you. I know there was a person there, but I wouldn't be able to make out who you were in front of me. Um, so they had me, you know, they, they brought me to the hospital and everything by the time I got to the hospital, everything was fine. But, uh, in talking to the doctors kind of, uh, you know, the, in the next couple of weeks afterward, they kind of strongly advised that it might be time for me to walk away, which, uh kind of a weird, kind of a hard decision, given that, you know, I'm fine right now. There's not, there's really nothing wrong with me, but it was more risk of future stuff. And there's so little known about it, you know, so that I think the, the biggest concern I have is, is certainly, you know, I just, I just had my first child and I want to play right. like 10 years and stuff like that. And, uh, that's the kind of conversations I had with doctors. And, you know, the reality is who knows in six months, they might come back and say, Hey, actually, you know what, we've, we've done some more research and, and maybe you're not at any risk, and is that that's where it's really kind of frustrating? But that's what it was. It was it was concussions. That's
3: you know, that's brutal, man. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, we definitely want to talk about what looks to be the end of your career, but let's go back to the beginning. So you started wrestling. Uh, it was right after college, right?
1: Yeah, it was. So my initial dream was probably most kids growing up is I always wanted to play in the NFL, and the reality was it just wasn't. Uh, I was a tight end. I had really, really good hands and I probably had the right size. I, I'm i just slow. My 40 was not good. So I, I knew that that, you know, wasn't going to happen and I'd always kind of, I'd always envisioned myself making it to the NFL and then being Kevin Green and having like two matches in WWE or something <laughs> like that. Uh, but, so uh, always a wrestling fan growing up. Um, in a lot of ways, probably a bigger wrestling fan actually than a football fan in some ways. So it was just kind of natural for me. And, you know, I kind of, my forty yard dash doesn't matter in a wrestling ring, you know. Uh, but a lot of the other things that I was good at in football, just you know, lateral quickness and stuff like that, really do kind of translate to what you're doing inside a, a, a ring. So it was kind of a natural progression for me.
3: So uh, I know when I first met you, it was at the uh, EWA, Eastern Wrestling Alliance, uh, Western Massachusetts. Uh, I think Brian, same thing for you, right?
2: Yeah, I think the first night I met you, I think I was in a match with you. Was, was it right, Burke? Is this... <laughs> you, you are accurate. I remember it well, actually. The reason I
1: remember that match so vividly is that was probably my... I was under 10 matches at that point. I don't know exactly what number, but I was real, real, real green then. And um, I remember all night, Heresy and, and... John. It was I think it was me, Heresy, and Johnny Idol, if I'm correct, against you, Max, and the Mac.
2: Mac. Right, yeah, that was the match.
1: And... Um, at least heresy and idol. I don't know if you or Max were in on it, but was screwing with me all night. Cause it was, we didn't really call much, and at that point, that terrified me obviously. <laughs> and uh, they they kept uh, somebody called a Tennessee two-step. I was just saying a Tennessee
2: to- two-step. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: And they wouldn't fucking they wouldn't tell me what it was, and and I was supposed to be a, a key cog in said Tennessee two-step, and they. Uh, <laughs> They kept kayfabing me on it, and midway through the match, Heresy looks at me, and he goes, I'm just fucking with you. You're not the one doing it. And it, it, I just I remember that vividly because of that, and I just remember being really nervous going into that. And I, actually, Brian, you and I started the match, I believe, and hadn't called anything, and I got in the ring, and I said, oh, screw it. I'm going to pretend I'm going to try to press slam him, and I went went to Hogan Andre, you, and you, you. obviously you didn't go anywhere, and uh, <laughs> I think you pummeled me a little bit, and we went from there.
3: <laughs> so so was there an actual Tennessee two-step
1: yes w- was. what was it I don't know I didn't see it so I think I believe everybody else was in on this so whatever they did I, I was out of the ring when it happened I think I was brawling with like the Mac or something outside the ring so I didn't actually see it happen I still to this day don't actually know what a Tennessee two-step is
2: I'm right there with you buddy I have no clue <laughs> I'm pretty
1: sure you were in on it weren't you
2: no they kind of he they kind of just told us they were messing with you and if you asked us about it to just go with it
3: Gotcha. Hmm, the mystery of the Tennessee two-step. If anyone out there uh, that was there involved, maybe a Johnny Idol or something like that is possibly listening to this, let us know. What is the Tennessee two-step?
2: <laughs> I, I would love to know. Crockett was acting like he knew, by the way.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, no, I, I haven't a clue either.
1: <laughs> it's one of the great mysteries of pro wrestling. I thought everybody knew what that was. This is the first time I've admitted that anybody had no idea what it was.
3: <laughs> exclusive right here yeah,
1: yeah. Well, anybody outside of that match that is they all knew. but I remember I actually remember I don't know if it was that show or if it was another we only had like three or four shows there the fire alarm was going off for like an hour before the show we didn't think the show was going to happen
3: but the uh, the match went on and the yeah. Tennessee two-step took place um,
1: as as oh yeah
3: <laughs> from what we're told there's
2: also a great, a great story here with Max Bauer and, and Dr. Reginald Hersey where we're all just. I don't, were you not even th- present for the for this argument, Burke?
1: I, I might not have been because it might have been when you when when I was getting ribbed on the two step.
2: It, it, it wasn't even like it was just. We're all just kind of standing there talking over the match. The Mac had like these New Year's Eve glasses with like the year on them, yeah. and Max goes to the Mac. Hey, I have a pair just like that, and then Hersey just gets like all pissed off, and then like like starts like giving shit to max talking about fighting him, And max like, is like, Oh yeah, bring it on or whatever, you know, like thinking that he's just doing like work talk, you know, just like, you know, messing around. And then max goes, wait, are you serious? And he goes, and Hershey was like, yeah, fucking right. I'm serious. And, and like, and then like Max had to like, kind of like tell him like, he's like, Oh, okay. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're getting mad about, but if you're serious about this, like, and you come at me, I'm going to kick your ass or something like that. Like I had no clue what was going on and, or why Hershey was mad. And it turns out he just thought Max was mocking the kid or whatever. And he was, getting would, all yeah, fun.
1: that, that would, that would be, so I, I, yeah. Until you told me about that years later, I, I didn't know a thing about it. And just knowing Heresy like I do, I, that would be my gut feeling is that he thought that Max would have been mocking Keith because Keith was, I think that, that might've been Keith's second match or something like
2: that. Yeah. Um, so it was just, so. it was such a awkward, awesome situation. <laughs> that's
1: fantastic. I will say I love both of them dearly. Uh, the Heresy, Heresy really helped me out when I first started. You know, Crockett was talking about EWA and everything. And he kind of put that belt on me there, which kind of gave me a little bit of, of notoriety. He was the first guy to kind of push me along. So,
2: and you worked not... with uh, Sasha Banks there, right? Mercedes, right? Yes. You're...
1: Yeah, She was my valet. Look who turned out better. It sucks
2: for me. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't bring you along for the
1: ride? What the hell? <laughs> no. No. Apparently not. <laughs> huh. okay. I forgive her.
3: <laughs> well, it wasn't long after that. We were all together at a show at a baseball stadium. Brian, that was the night where you like said to me, hey, we should try to uh, talk to somebody at Chaotic about Sean Burke.
2: Yeah. Jesus, that, that, it was like a really old like baseball stadium, like the wooden stands, right? Yeah. It was uh,
1: Pittsfield, Pittsfield, Mass. Wasn't the main event on that show like Brutus Beefcake versus like the local Pittsfield yeah. hero in like a boxing match? <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: Yes, it yeah. was.
0: <laughs>
3: That's the only other thing I remembered about that night. I remember Brian talking about you, Sean. I remember Brutus Beefcake getting hurt in like a boxing match.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yes,
3: yeah, so the main event did with a boxing match. against. It, it was a a local Pittsfield guy. Did he
2: like beefcake go to the hospital or something? Was there something weird like that? Probably.
3: Yeah, he like broke an ankle or something or other like that. It yeah, was, that was like something weird. Yeah.
2: I, I remember that,
1: that guy, that the guy that he boxed was like he was going around doing those celebrity boxing matches. So like I think he boxed Canseco, um, <laughs> probably like Screech or something like that. And he was he was a really nice guy, but and occasionally, he would. Uh, I remember. I remember it was like this celebrity boxing slash wrestling thing, and they put him in some of the wrestling matches, and he just didn't get it. And uh, I, I'll never forget. I think we were in Holyoke. And he was in a battle royal, and someone like shoot kicked him in the ribs, and he ended up going to the hospital. And I just remember him being like, "It's it's real. It's real. It's not fake. It's real." It's <laughs> <laughs> that shoot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I remember at that time you bring up the celebrity boxing. I remember that time, like, uh, Dr. Heresy, who we were just talking about with the EWA, he was kind of mixed up in that whole celebrity boxing thing. And there was a show with, as you mentioned, that had Screech on it. Were you on one of those shows?
1: I was. I was in a battle royal on a show that Dr. Heresy worked a wrestling match with Screech. <laughs> it was and it, actually, it actually surprised Like I, I don't think old Samuel Powers had any wrestling training. And uh, Heresy got a, a very passable match out of him.
3: Uh, that's that's to his credit i think yeah yeah Yeah, i remember there's like celebrity boxing and and wasn't it max and mike nice at a boxing match brian
2: uh no me and (laughs) max had a boxing match and mike nice had to fight a legitimate boxer and he'd get his ass kicked i
1: got i got put in one of those i um say it was in like marlboro or something like that again i I don't think i had had an actual wrestling match yet And I was in one of these celebrity boxing matches, and it was supposed to be a work. And the uh, kid that I was boxing, I guess, was actually a shoot boxer. And he decided that I was too big for him to, for us to work. And he had to really try to fight me, which, you know, sucked (laughs) for me.
3: Yeah, I was around with those shows, and I just got the feeling that the boxing people just didn't
1: get the deal. Yeah, it was, it was. I, I remember those well. It was a very weird environment.
2: The one with me and Max, our, our referee, he was somebody. I, I don't know boxing at all, but he was like a world champion. And I go to talk out the finish with him, and he was baffled that we had a finish. He goes, "What do you mean a finish?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, we're not really boxing. Like, we're we're just this is was like we're, we're putting on a show. We don't really box. We're wrestlers." <laughs> and he he got all pissed off and went and found like the promoter guy or whatever, and he was all offended about it.
1: Yeah, that was the exact same experience I had. And, and, uh, I took a fall for the kid. I was supposed to take a fall for the kid in the third round, but he he pissed me off because he was, like, shoot-punching me. So I, I lasted until the fourth because I was try- I was actually trying to get him with one. Unfortunately, I'm not a uh, trained boxer, so he kept ducking all my haymakers. But he told me afterward, he was like, there was one of those you threw. If you caught me, I was going down. And I was like, yeah, that's right, mother. <laughs> yeah?
3: So you really showed him you lasted a full extra round. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. The motor was getting real sketched out, too, you know, in between rounds. You supposed to go down the last round. I'm like, they pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: so, Brian, uh, we kind of went way off track, but back to uh, talking about getting uh, Burke into chaotic.
2: Yeah. What, what are you looking for here, Mike?
3: Let's talk about you, you saw something in, in Mr. Burke.
2: Yeah, he's tall. He's six two he's he's 6'2", six two two forty, Mike.
1: Six there, asshole.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I we last on last week's episode we talked about uh, trying to make it in the WWE six two two forty uh cookie cutter standard <laughs> yep
3: <laughs> the irony brian <laughs> yeah, yep. that's
2: the irony. What, what i railed against was exactly what i was looking for myself
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah because brian you had like a little hand in helping out you know with booking with chaotic at the time
2: i would say i had, I had more or less had influence at, at that point but yeah I, I think because of look and size and then uh another big thing about burke was his passion and his attitude right Uh, he was a guy who was coachable who wanted to learn uh, who was a very positive guy (laughs) to be around um and aside from the physical talent and the physical look i thought he would have been a just a great addition to chaotic in general
1: look at you being nice to me again this is weird (laughs) (laughs) see how i had to push him though
3: Burke. i had to push him oh
2: yeah (laughs) <laughs> That's because I don't. I didn't want anybody to know. All this is all this is harder to admit than anything I admitted last week on the podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so like,
2: Silly. I love Schaumburg. <laughs>
3: oh,
1: oh I can, our, our tweets are gonna have to get nicer now. That's, that
3: sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so you moved on and uh, you became a part of Chaotic Wrestling and NECW, which are two of, like you know the most noteworthy promotions in Massachusetts. You know they're around the Boston area. So you got a lot of. Uh, uh, notoriety there. How did you feel going into, you know, you were from Western Massachusetts, you started out with all those guys, and now you're in a new promotion with, uh, you know, not a lot of guys crossed over between the uh, Western Mass and, you know, on the uh, East Coast of Massachusetts. How did you feel going into that environment, Sean?
1: I was scared. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but, you know, the chaotic locker room always had a little bit of a stigma about it. Mm-hmm. What? I've heard that. <laughs> So yeah, my, uh, certainly that first show that I did. So yeah, I remember Brian, you had contacted me and said, you know, Tarzan was looking to bring in a big heel and that's all you told me. And I, I remember the first show I did was a uh, breaking point in uh Woburn. And, um, when I showed up, i never even, it's funny. I had met Tarzan before, but I didn't realize that Tarzan Taylor was, I would met Matt Spectro. So I didn't even know they were the same person. <laughs> um, so I didn't even know who I was, you know, you were like Tarzan's looking for. I didn't have no idea who you're talking about. Um, and I remember I had Antonio Thomas in the car with me, he rode up with me and he's like, you know, Tarzan, I'm like, I don't think so. I, I, I have no idea. Um, then when I get there and he starts talking to me, I'm like, Oh, Oh. And so I still had no idea what to expect. I figured I was just going to come up and do a job for somebody. And he, he looks at me within 10 minutes of being there and he's like, yeah, you know, you're going to win tonight. And, uh, I want to have you go on this massive winning streak. And I'm like, go, okay. Sure. <laughs> that works. I'm in. I'm not going to complain.
3: Yeah, so you got the Chaotic title at one point. You had the NECW title, too, at one point, right?
1: I had them at the same time. I don't. Whoa. Know, yeah, I don't know that. Has anybody ever done Is Am I the only one that had them at the exact same time?
3: That's some, Yeah, I don't think that's happened. We'll, we'll just say it hasn't happened. We'll just say you're the first and only. <laughs> cool.
1: <Sweet. laughs> that's that that's why we brain. do
3: things. We don't do the research. We just to proclaim things.
1: That's, <laughs> my, that's how I live my life.
3: just kind of proclaim shit. And... There you go. Speaking of like new environments, new locker rooms, you found yourself having the opportunity to go to Chikara to join the Devastation Corporation. How did this all come about?
1: So everything that they do there is like is trio-based. So it's always, even you know, if you've you got a team, it's almost always three guys. So uh, Joey Eastman and uh, Sebastian Reese had gone there. Joey, obviously, as Sidney Bacabella, and uh, Sebastian Reese as Max Smashmaster. They were there with uh, the guy that ended up becoming my partner as a gatekeeper and evolved later on, Blaster McMassive. Wonderful names, by the way. Yes. So they were there for, I think, about six months, maybe all, uh, somewhere between six months and a year. And Joey called me uh, or texted me. I don't think anybody actually calls anybody anymore. No. Um, but Joey texted me and said, hey, uh, are you interested in coming into Jakara? And I, you know, at the time, I said, you know, yeah, what the hell? Back then, it had, I, I think, at least a better reputation not trying to bury anything but i think it had a much better reputation than it does now and uh i thought it was a good opportunity for exposure and everything um and i knew they were doing the demolition road warriors kind of rip off thing which i always thought was cool i used to think when i was a kid you know if, if, if the legion of doom didn't exist that would have been the gimmick i would have come up with that's that's what i've always told myself because you know i because i'm that good <laughs> but i you know i liked the idea and everything i said yeah what the hell and uh that's kind of how we did it the thing that was weird with where i started there was i had just broken my ankle back here so i never really i was supposed to debut there and then i never i, ne- I didn't do it because obviously i couldn't wrestle so i was out for about six months and Quackenbush had me coming in and doing like i'd walk out with a mask on and just stand there ominously and then walk back and for literally i, I think like three or four months which was it was miserable because it's like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm driving to Pennsylvania every other weekend to literally walk out the curtain and stand there like a jackass and then walk back in. Um, I remember uh, WrestleCon, the year that Mania was in New Jersey, uh, was the first time I ever took the mask off. And you could just see my painted face underneath it. And I was excited. I was like kind of healthy at that point, And I thought I was going to wrestle. And then I got there and it's like, no, you're just walking out the curtain. And you're, oh, sweet.
3: Awesome. <laughs> but we're going to let you take the mask
1: off. <laughs> yeah, but you can take the mask off for the first time. So okay, that's great. That's that was worth the drive. So,
3: so how long after that was the King of Trios twenty
1: fourteen? Ooh. Um so I was probably there for about six months when we won King of Trios, um actually wrestling. 'Cause I had I, I remember I broke the ankle in uh December of twenty twelve. So we won King of Trios and was it twenty fourteen? I don't even remember what year it was. It sounds,
3: I think so, yeah because yeah when, when <laughs> yeah i did i did some research I'll, uh, I'll admit that much i think when you first started that that was when chikara was you know shut down and they had the wrestling yes. is fun wrestling is art that whole thing
1: yes that's yeah so along with that and i and I think if you if you talk to any of my partners they would concur so my first match yeah, that's exactly what it was my first match there was that show where they did the whole shutdown thing and um the wrestling is whatever shows all over America were not fun to, to say the least. <laughs> Even though it um, said
3: wrestling is fun, come on. Yeah,
1: it was it was a lie. Uh, oh no, the, the wrestling was not fun. I had other names for them that I won't say in the podcast, but because um, they're all really offensive and not politically correct in any way, shape, or form, and I'll get a weird reputation. But it was just it was you know you were traveling everywhere, which. I, you know, I'm, I'm a huge person on paying your dues and everything, but it, I was away like every weekend in like New Jersey or Pennsylvania or, you know, wherever else taking, you know, four hour drives all the time. And we'd be performing on these little tiny shows in front of like sometimes 10 people. And it was like, it was just kind of like, man, like I thought, you know, th- this Jakara company had this really good reputation and, you know, you had Cesaro and people like that, that had come through there. And then it's like, what is this? I could have done this back home, and I don't know, and I you know, I didn't know if I was getting any better from it or anything like that, and that, at that time was really, am I getting better, and, and I didn't feel like I was, so I was very, very miserable, and I, you know, I don't think they felt like I was committed to it, which, I, you know, I really wasn't at that time, so uh, when we went into King of Trios that year, I did not expect that we were gonna win that, you know, that was, no one told us, we didn't know until, the, until actually probably about 20 minutes before the match, uh, he keeps that stuff very secretive, so it was actually, that was quite shocking to me. Um, probably shouldn't have been because, you know, uh, Joey uh, and, and Smashmaster had been very, very loyal to him and, and everything. And so it probably shouldn't have surprised me. But I think I was kind of riding the coattails on that a little bit.
3: <laughs> yeah, the whole period for Chikara was a little weird. The whole voluntary shutdown and then all these little promotions are popping up all over the place. What was that? About a
1: year's time that took place? Yeah, yeah, just about. It was, it was, it was probably like 10 months or something like that it was I mean it was an interesting idea I don't I don't think it worked at all and you know it, it is what it is but yeah it was it was a very weird time it was it was kind of like it felt like I was going to be getting all kind of all this exposure and that's kind of why I was doing it and then it kind of immediately was like huh maybe maybe not having said that I, I don't think you know Without doing that character um, and without, I mean, not necessarily you know, without that year, but without being in Chikara for as long as I was, I don't think I ever would have had the uh, the opportunity to do the stuff that evolved. I mean, that's kind of what, you know, Drew Gulak knew us from there and Gabe knew who we were from there. And that's really what helped us get to evolve. So I'll always be grateful for it. Uh, but there was definitely some times there where I was less than motivated and less than committed.
3: Right, and we'll get to evolve in just a second. But I just wanted to ask, you know, what was it like to work for Mike Quackenbush? What was that experience like?
1: Interesting. He's uh, he's meticulous about everything that he does, to an extent that sometimes I, I actually I feel that he can get in his own way at, at, at times. Um, yeah. But at the same time, extremely creative. It's just the whole product is very much a niche thing. I don't, you know, I I think that that's quite obvious, and it's it's not necessarily probably for everybody. And I just think that's how he's a, he's a huge fan of like 1993 WWF. Um, (laughs) And I I think that kind of reflects itself in the product, you know, and I'm not not necessarily saying that's a bad thing. I love, I love that kind of stuff too. But some of the stuff, you know, I remember one of my early matches there, a guy held up a stop sign and I had to freeze because there was a stop sign. And it kind (laughs) of, it it kind of, yeah. and, And, and I'm all for like, you know, I'm a big Hulk Hogan fan. I'm a, I was always a big undertaker fan. So I'm, I'm big on the pageantry of wrestling and the over the top personalities and everything. But the stop sign thing was one of those things where I'm like, what am I doing? You know?
2: <laughs> I, I would have taken it a step further before the match. I would have been like, no, I'm not doing that.
1: Yeah. Just, and then I didn't think I, I probably would now, but at the time I didn't, you know, I certainly didn't think I was in a position to do that, but I'm like, Oh man, like, and, Meanwhile, I'm being trained by Antonio Thomas and, and, and he's really big on realism in what you're doing and in, in your, you know, mat wrestling and all that kind of stuff. And I was just in a world that I wasn't really comfortable in, you know,
3: different flavors of ice cream. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> different flavors. It's just a
2: different, I think, I mean, my, I think Chikara is just a different thing altogether. It's something different than what traditional professional wrestling is intentionally. Um, yeah, so, it,
1: it, yeah. yeah, it definitely, it's definitely intentional, you know, and it's so it's definitely got its place. But I'd be lying if I said that it was what I always wanted to be doing. But at the same time, I do think it opened some doors for me. So I'll always be grateful for that part of it.
3: So, yeah, let's talk about that. You said it was Drew Gulak who saw you in Chikara and kind of gave you the in to evolve. Yeah, well, so it was
1: not even kind of that. What it was was uh, Smashmaster had kind of gone away for a little while, and uh, it was just me and uh, Blaster McMassive teaming by ourselves, and uh, Eastman had kind of gone away for a little while, too. And we were kind of, you know, at that point where we, we were doing pretty well as a team, and I think we were getting our names out there as Devastation Corporation, and obviously we wanted to, you know, take it a step further, so... We went to uh, one of Gabe's Evolve tryouts and uh, had a match with each other, which I actually thought was horrible. I didn't think it went very well at all. We, we kind of beat the shit out of each other. And so Gulak was running it and Tracy Williams was there running it. And They both knew us from you know involvement they had had with Shakara. And they both really, well, at least Gulak, he told us he really, really liked it. And uh, you know I guess Gabe did as well. So an opportunity came up. Uh, about two months later, uh, we got an email from Gabe saying, "Hey, I need a tag team down in Maryland. Can you guys come down?" So obviously, we did that. We went down and did Devastation Corporation down there and uh, worked with the Bravado Brothers, um, and had what I thought was a pretty good little match there. And then we just kept showing up and helping out, which you know I, at that point, so I had probably been wrestling. I, my career ended up being seven years, so probably about six years at that point, and that was kind of back to setting up chairs and stuff, which was a little bit of a pride hit in a sense, but it kind of showed Gabe that we really wanted it and then he had an opportunity come up where he had an idea for us and we were fresh in his mind because we were always there and he sent us an email and I got an idea for you guys if you want to do it and that became the gatekeepers.
3: Now, um, this might be a a weird question but I know like uh, Mike Quackenbush comes up with if not all most of the gimmicks for Chakara and I think Devastation Corporation was his thing. Was there like heat there because you took that gimmick kind of down there for Evolve?
1: Nope. No, not, not that I know of. Not that anyone ever told me. I, it was the Devastation Corporation definitely was his idea. It was his brainchild. I think the names were actually all, I think, Joey on the names. Like oh, yeah? X-Rumble Crunch and all. Yeah, I think that was all him. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I know he gave me my name. I don't know if he came up with the other two. But no, I, you know, there was no, I don't think there was any heat or anything. But it was uh, the Devastation Corporation thing, I think, had just kind of run its course at Shakar. And I think, you know, Mike kind of wanted to go in a different direction. So it was right around that same time. So it may have, I think it may have, because there was some kind of weird heat there, but I don't think there was.
3: Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure how that worked. So uh, now you're starting with Evolve. How was it working for
1: Gabe Sapolsky? Honestly, wonderful. Um, I'm not just saying that because it's a big promotion. It, it he, um, I, I've never seen a promoter that I guess invests himself so much in his talent. And he, he invests not only in, you know, what you're doing in the ring, but he really kind of invests in you as a person. And, you know, in some of my conversations with him over the last couple of weeks about leaving and everything, he he's kind of talked about, you know, why he liked us and, you know, how, you know, us kind of sucking it up and helping out and stuff like that and going around really impressed him. And, you know, that's why he thought of us when he came up with the gatekeeper idea. And so he really kind of, in my opinion, really invested in the person, even beyond what you can do in the ring. I mean, obviously. You see the people that he's bringing in there. What you do in the ring is incredibly important to him as well. But just, yeah, I'm so thankful for the time. I, the short time I had there. It ended up only being about probably about six months or so. But fantastic promoter to work for. If anybody has the chance to, I, I'd say jump at that. So were you there before the whole
3: loose association with the WWE came up?
1: No, um, we were there, I believe. No, actually, no, I'm just thinking back. I remember reading articles on WWE.com about Evolve shows well before we were there, so okay. um, it had started before we before we got there.
3: Okay, so once you got there, and I know like Triple H was at one of the shows, I, I don't know if it was WrestleMania weekend or what, but he was at one of the yep. shows, I know Regal's been to some of the shows, how is yep. the like atmosphere backstage with those guys kind of hanging around and watching you?
1: So I wasn't there when Triple H was there, that was before us. Okay. Um, but I will say, you know, Regal, Regal was at a number of the shows we were on. And I think you guys have had, both had interactions with him. He's so easygoing and calm that surprisingly, it's not like, oh, my God, you know, Regal's back there and he can make some decisions on my future. It's just more like I want to talk to this guy and get his opinion on wrestling and stuff like that, you know. So that's always been very relaxed when he's been there. Um, this past WrestleMania weekend, uh, Canyon Seaman was there. That was a little bit weird. So we, my, what ended up being my last match. I remember looking back at the entrance way and seeing him standing there, and kind of, you know, you're kind of turning your head. Is he reacting? Is he liking this? Is he looking? <laughs> you know, you're kind of doing that. But so that was that was a little bit more nerve wracking, I think, with him there, in all honesty, than Regal. And I think just probably just I don't know, maybe a different perspective I have on the two of them. You
3: said it was WrestleMania weekend when you got that last concussion, right? Yep. So you you did one more match after that.
1: Uh, no. So it actually, so there was three nights of shows. The first night, uh, we had a match. The second night, we actually, did, we didn't have a match. Um, we were out there with Ethan Page. Um, he and Darby Allen had a, uh, just like an ECW style, uh, crazy tables stuff going on and, Uh, darby allen jumped off the balcony in a trash can on top of us and stuff like that so we we, it was it was crazy if you're into that kind of wrestling i'd suggest trying to find a way to watch that but uh just during the course of the match there was just a spot we did where we ended up all catching a dive and uh i caught a, a boot just you know happenstance caught a boot right off the top of the head and i knew i was kind of messed up when it happened but i didn't think it was that bad. And went through like the night. I think there was about five more minutes left in the match, and we had one more spot we had to kind of run in on. And I was fine. And then when I got to the back, it's when my vision started to go, and that's when I kind of kind of panicked a little bit.
3: Yeah, of course. So, were you ever close to saying I can do this? I can get back to the ring, or was it kind of always out of the question?
1: So it's uh, it's weird. Uh, so when it happened, so the next night we were supposed to have a tag match, and obviously that got that got pulled and i remember talking to gabe the night that i got the concussion you know i kind of i kind of wanted to work the next night and he's like no no you're you're not going to tomorrow you're 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 going to sit that one out yeah uh, but you know at that point until i got home you know i knew i was going to go talk to some doctors because i knew this had been a you know what i thought was a lot of diagnosed concussions in the last couple of years but i didn't really have any inkling that that was going to be it for me until i you know i talked to, i talked to three doctors i talked to the first one it was kind of you know it was that kind of advice then i talked to the second one it was the same advice And i talked to the third one and at that point was where it was like wow i think uh crap i think this is it and it's uh it's weird i'm gonna be honest with you it's still it doesn't feel right right now i don't uh if this had happened to me two years ago when I, I i really you know i went through a period about two years ago where i felt like i was very stagnant and uh i didn't feel like i was going anywhere or anything like that and uh if this had happened then, I, I think I would have just walked away at peace and and kind of you know said okay that was it you know on to the next thing. This timing kind of sucks. I, I felt like we were doing something really good there at Evolve. I really liked the Gatekeepers thing and liked working with Ethan Page and I, I thought we had something pretty good. And I was really kind of excited for where it was going to go. So it doesn't. Fe- I don't feel done in all honesty. That's what's weird. I I, I think I I I mean I officially said I am. Uh, but even in the back of my mind now, it's like, what if I go talk to another doctor in six months and and they, they tell me, no, actually you may have, you know, you may have made a bad choice. You might be okay to go back. And and that's the thing with concussions. No one really knows enough about them. My biggest fear is I hope I haven't jumped the gun and made a decision that I'm going to, that I'm going to regret. And, uh,
2: uh,
1: you know, I don't know.
2: I don't think you play around with, with this type of, in my, my personal opinion, I don't think you play around with, uh. <clears throat> this type of stuff, especially with the family, especially with wanting to, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure like most of us, man, you got dreams of coaching, your, you know, your kid and ball yeah. and being able to play in the backyard. And at the end of the day, it's, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it at, at the level we're at. It's not worth it at the next level.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of, that's, that's kind of the thought process, right? It's like, even if I were to make it, is it worth sacrificing my brain function for? No. You know the the question mark is really do I know I would be or not? You know, and that's that's where it sucks, and that's with all the concussion research and stuff. It's you know they can't really do anything and look at your brain that well until you're dead. And uh, obviously, you know, obviously in wrestling, Chris Benoit is kind of a cautionary tale. You know, but it, you don't want to get there, but at the same time, you know, I'm always going to have that question mark. W- would I have gotten? You know, w- would my head have gotten that bad if I got another concussion or got two more concussions, or would I have still been fine? No, just you know, I'll never know.
2: It's just as if something is take you know you're not leaving on your own terms. something was you feel like something was taken away from you i I definitely under understand that um thinking but i mean and, and I know it's obviously still fresh and you're still you know of the mindset of missing the in ring but uh kind of what does the future hold for you there do you do you think you'll ever do you think you'll ever get into training guys? do you think you'll ever get into promoting or booking or i mean are you going to be a part of the wrestling business or do you just think you need to remove yourself from it
1: i so think Right now, I kind of, right now, it's kind of, I, I want to be away from it just because it's kind of painful to be around it. I say that as I'm sitting in my basement next to a uh, cabinet full of Hasbro figures. Because <laughs> you know, um, I'm a nerd. But uh, yeah, I think for a little while at least I want to get away from it and just kind of see what that feels like. But, it, you know, over the last couple of days, just kind of like the messages I've gotten from people and people that have reached out to me and stuff like that, I, I realize that I actually am probably going to miss actually the people a lot more than i thought i would you know for me it's always been single focus it's, it's the in-ring performance and it's starting to set in that well, i've actually made some pretty good friends some people that you know some people i i, I talked to at the last evolve show that i'll probably never see again it's kind of weird that's actually kind of a weird feeling when that starts to set in so um i don't know um i, I definitely you know i've talked to i I've, I've had some opportunities to hang on in kind of a managerial role which right now i didn't want to do I've had some conversations with some other people about, you know, maybe helping out in other ways, maybe, maybe doing commentary. I've actually always been very interested in doing commentary and I've never really had much of an opportunity to do it. So I don't really have any kind of body of work I can kind of put out there and show people, but I, I could see myself coming back and doing that for a little while maybe. But on the other end, I want to, uh, I really want to get into coaching football. Actually, that's, that's kind of where my head initially, when I, when I made the decision that I was done, my first thought was, kind of going to my local high school walking into the coach's office and saying hey I, I have no experience other than my playing career and i've forgotten most of the stuff that i used to know but uh do you need any help
3: you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to start that's kind of what happened with you with evolve you just kind of walked in started sitting yeah. up chairs and i'll do anything
1: i think there's surprisingly i know people say it all the time they talk about that kind of stuff I, I, and sometimes i think it seems kind of cliche but I think sometimes you just got to go put yourself out there and sometimes it works, you know?
3: Yeah. Um, but you're always like, you know, a great, uh guy to have in the locker room and stuff like that. Uh, I know Brian agrees with me begrudgingly. I'm sure he, uh, oh, yeah. agrees <laughs> with me.
2: <laughs> no, not, not begrudgingly at all. I, uh, I am as much as I love burying you up pers- to your, to your face and on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's,
1: just, he's um, just upset that I've, uh, I'm pretty sure I've got the wind loss on you. <laughs> i think you've only beaten me once maybe twice
2: <laughs> to be fair though you did have to lose to uh mark sherman immediately after one of them so oh
1: god remember that night <laughs> oh. man <laughs> that may have been the biggest reaction i've been involved in in the history of my wrestling career and it was uh <laughs>
2: Not about me at all. Well, that's because <laughs> cause he, he sold tickets to all his friends and told them he's won the championship. So. <laughs> I,
1: I will refrain from commenting because I can't confirm that.
2: <laughs> no, I, I can confirm that.
1: <laughs> well, you wrestled Mark
3: Sherman in a, in a three-minute match, and you also got to wrestle Kevin Nash. So
2: Oh, look at you
1: guys. Malone put you up to that, didn't he? No. Okay. Yes, I did. That was... uh. That's that'll, you know, forever be something that I remember simply because uh, my kind of pantheon of wrestling uh, of heroes and wrestling was uh, it was always Hulk Hogan, The Undertaker, Bret Hart and Diesel. So, you know, obviously I wasn't ever going to have the chance to work with Bret Hart, wasn't going to have the chance to work with The Undertaker. And certainly at this point, I don't see Hogan doing independent shows. (laughs) Um, So, you know, that was the only guy. That was possible, at least at that time, that I was going to have an opportunity to work with. And it was from like day one, I knew he was around doing independent shows. And I used to tell Heresy, I used to say, "Hey, can can you book Kevin Nash? Can I work with Nash?" And he, <laughs> you know, he, yes, sure, if you want to pay the booking fee, because from what I understand, <laughs> it's not small. So uh, I, you know, that was that was always kind of a thing for me. And uh, Steve Perkins, a big time, I think, knew that because I would always joke joke around about it. And uh, he, you know, there was an opportunity to to put me in there with him. And uh, I think he tipped Nash off to the fact that I was kind of a Kevin Nash mark before the match. And uh, I remember, I remember vividly going in there to talk to him. And, you know, obviously I think we, we had like a five or six minute match, but uh, I remember, you know, it was kind of just like, Oh, I'll get you with the choke slam. And, and I'm like, okay, all right, that's what we'll do. And, uh, I didn't know if he was going to bump for me. I didn't know what he wanted to do really. And we went out there and, uh, Hit me, you know, with his with his knees and stuff in the corner, and his big elbow and everything, and gave me the crotch chop and uh, had me pop him. And uh, and I'm was always very light and very safe. And especially like a guy with a guy like that, I'm I'm really not gonna you know <laughs> try to lay anything in to, to kill him.
2: And, well, you uh, can tell Sean Burke never wrestled himself. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> everybody always told me the
1: only the only thing people ever told me was a little bit tight was that rope walk shoulder tackle. Uh, Handsome used to tell me that 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 kind of shoot would take you down. Like, you had no choice of bumping on that. uh, um, Yeah, we got in. And I guess I I think he was impressed by the fact that I didn't stiff him. And uh, he started bumping for me, which kind of on the fly just kind of shocked me. And uh, after the match came back, he was very talkative with me. And, hey, we're going to do this again tomorrow night, right? And he was all excited. And then worked with him the second night. And he he asked me what I wanted to do. And uh, he allowed me to give him all of his shit in the corner, which was for me was was kind of cool. You know, <laughs> giving Kevin Nash all of his elbows and stuff. Then I had him turn around on me, which got a pop, which also made me very happy. And uh, sent me a tweet afterward, and uh, made me feel very good. As the, the <laughs> tiny wrestling fan in me, uh, the ten-year-old wrestling fan in me, was uh, on cloud nine that weekend.
3: And this is like 2015, right? This
1: wasn't yes. all that long ago. No, and actually, I had for the longest time. I thought that I had his last match because he had his shoulder. I remember his shoulder was really bothering him and he, and he was going to have shoulder surgery shortly thereafter. Um, And then he didn't, he didn't work any matches for almost a year. And uh, then recently, I think within the last uh, three or four months, he worked a match in Poughkeepsie against the Brooklyn brawler. And I was actually kind of pissed. I was like, damn it. I didn't have his retirement match. And I (laughs) kind of thought I did. Uh, I (laughs) still had like three or four more matches after we worked anyway, that I didn't know about. So,
3: you got to save that kind of stuff for the Brooklyn Brawler.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously. <laughs> uh,
3: well, I mean, I wanted to have you on before uh, this whole thing happened with uh, you uh, leaving wrestling, but um, I'm glad we were able to do it now, and uh, really appreciate you coming on the wrestling podcast about nothing, Sean.
1: Well, thank you guys. I've uh, I've wanted to come on for a while, but I was not going to ask Brian and give him that satisfaction. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and I well, made him. I made him ask you. So well, you're welcome.
2: I'm a yes. big fan it's secret now it's not yeah. a secret the whole well the whole world like the people that listen to this podcast <laughs> podcast know and and I hope you know how much i think he, burke uh when I was booking um you were one of the guys that was just an absolute pleasure to work with work with in the ring and then work with um out of the ring as well uh, in a, in a in a booking sense. you never were a headache uh up for anything always coachable, always a guy who listened and uh a guy who i also was. You know, more than happy to stick my neck out for uh on a couple of different occasions. So uh I appreciate that. Know.
1: I'm not just saying it because you're on the phone, but I always tell everybody when they ask me who some of my favorite, you know, guys to work with were I always I do always say you for the sheer fact that like I always felt like you're one of the first guys that I felt like I could get in the ring with and and literally not call anything and we could still go out there and have a pretty good match. I remember uh remember that match in Littleton when you broke your ass? <laughs> yes. And we may or may not have broken a uh, wooden door, possibly, maybe, maybe not.
3: <laughs> Wait, when did, how did you break your ass?
2: Uh, I on the fly called Miss, like, the earthquake spot on the outside of the ring. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> smart. And it was the thing of all time.
1: He, he sends me a text message, like, two days later, and he's like, my ass is still killing me. It hurts to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> But we didn't call nothing. I remember, I remember like five minutes before the match, you look at me and you're like, well, we've got to finish. Um, we don't really have anything else. And I'm like, and I was excited to do that at that point, actually, because that was right before I, um, uh, Hansom and I were going down to Orlando, and I knew we were going to get put in those spots to just get out there and work without calling anything. So I was really happy to work with you that night. And I think I said at the other time. I'm like, would you mind going in there and just working this on the fly? Because I just want to make sure I'm up to speed and I can do it, you know?
3: Oh, we didn't even talk about the Orlando thing.
1: That's okay. We, we, we don't need to talk about that because I'm still sitting in my basement.
3: <laughs> well, uh, next time, next time you're on next the podcast, yes. we'll talk about uh, coaching uh, Pop Warner football and we'll talk about you in Orlando.
1: Cool. And I can, and I can when Brian and I can have fights about the uh, the, the
2: Steelers and the Dolphins. Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll, we'll play a to a team that shall not be named on this podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're a uh, Crockett. You're you're a you're
2: a local fan, right?
1: Well, I mean,
3: the next I, football I mean, game I'm Crockett watches super. will
2: be the first football game he watches. <laughs>
3: ah, okay. Okay, I watch the Super Bowl.
2: What? Just so you could bust people's chops? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Some material for the podcast, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Sean Burke. Uh, really, a pleasure to have you on the podcast and. Good luck in everything that's going on in your life. I mean, you got plenty going on, and really appreciate you coming uh, on.
2: You know what you should have said? What's that? Uh, we wish you well in all of your future endeavors. Ah, oh, it's <laughs> perfect way to go out. I always wanted to be
1: future-endeavored. <laughs> I wanted it to be because I got signed first and then got future-endeavored, but whatever. I'll take your future endeavor.
3: <laughs> well, thanks very much, Sean.
1: Thanks, guys. We'll see you.
3: Okay, we want your feedback. Every week, we do something called Merv Griffin Time, a talkback segment where we interact with you, the listener. So tweet us at the W P A N on Twitter with your take on this week's episode, your thoughts on our interview with Sean Burke, Flex Rumble Crunch, and use the hashtag W P A N. We'll mention you and your tweets this Thursday. Hey,
2: now that Burke's off the uh, off the air with us here, can I go back to trashing him?
3: Well, I I think you uh you did quite well during the interview. <laughs> yeah, you you, had, you showed a softer side, Brian, uh, for a few minutes there. So that's uh, <laughs> congratulations on that. <laughs> Every Thursday, guys, we do that second podcast, new unique content exclusively for BDA Radio, and it is a whole new format, guys. The Dirt Sheet Shuffle.
2: Oh, I thought you were going to say Scandals and Animals. Skin? No, 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 no! no. <laughs> <That's>
3: <laughs> wow, <laughs> very, very well done. Well done.
2: <laughs> I, I will, I will say this. I did. I was getting heckled last night uh, about my record on the uh, on the dirt uh, sheet uh last night being chaotic wrestling Friday night. I was getting heckled a little bit about my record on the dirt sheet shuffle and uh, that I, sh- I should be afraid of uh, of it being every week now.
3: Well, I mean, this is this is going to be the ultimate test, Brian. The ultimate test of skill and endurance <laughs> will be the dirt sheet shuffle. The
2: gauntlets coming on the WBA <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, it might feel like it, but uh, the dirt sheet shuffle every week, every Thursday on the BDA bonus podcast. Also, there's going to be Merv Griffin time, of course, and we will induct another member into the illustrious Heel Laugh Hall of Fame. So if you love the dirt cheat Shuffle here on the NAI Network, you're going to find it each and every week. You can get your weekly fix of news over there on the wrestling podcast About Nothing feed or on BDAradio.com. Speaking of, of Griffin time, a way you can interact with us here on the NAI Network every week is through our voicemail line. We want to hear from you guys. Get that voicemail in. We will play it on the podcast. The number is 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. We really appreciate when you guys contribute to the show, so call right now. Before you forget, hit pause, pick up the phone, call 401-584-9726, and be a part of the wrestling podcast about nothing. All right, Kingpin, it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsor. People ask me, what do you mean, BDARadio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Batista as Drax is amazing. <laughs> well, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is coming out this weekend, Brian. And, of course, wrestler Dave Batista is a part of it. And I'm very, very excited. You?
2: Can't wait. Are we going to see it together? You Are you going to uh, leave me out in the cold again?
3: Are, are tickets still available? I don't know. It's a little late in the game, Brian. <sighs> So
2: you're leaving me out in the cold again.
3: Well, we'll we'll, we'll figure it out, Brian. I, I can't stand the wait here. I can't stand to wait till this I w- weekend. I was
2: talking with uh, the Western Dragon and his sister last night, and they were asking if they'd be seeing us uh, at the movie. They said, "Well, if Crockett doesn't exile me again from his plans, I mean, hey, we'd only seen every every Marvel movie together since what, like Iron Man 2? Oh,
3: uh, Brian, we're getting away from the live read
2: here. I don't care. The people need answers, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I need well, answers, damn it. You're
3: talking about Thursday night? Is that what you're talking about?
2: Why are you throwing me out in the cold? <laughs>
3: well, you, oh, Brian, Brian, we'll, we'll, get it, we'll get it done. We'll get it done. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll, we'll see what happens. See if there's any tickets left.
2: You're an asshole. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, what BDA Radio stands for, Brian, is the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news. They break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out all the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. It's the best website in the galaxy. (laughs) I am BDARadio.com. That was my Vin Diesel impression, did it?
2: It's pretty horrible.
3: (laughs) Didn't, Didn't translate okay.
2: No, that's pretty terrible, buddy.
3: (laughs) All right. Let's move on, then, to the promo. Yes,
2: let's move on. I want the commitment now. Are we going to see Guardians of the Galaxy 2 together on opening night?
3: On Thursday evening, you're saying? Yes. Uh, I'll have to get back to you on that.
2: Oh, my God. I'll check my schedule. You're pure garbage.
3: Brian, the year 1997. This is our first promo from Japan But don't be scared Brian it is in English It is from the promotion known as WAR Do you know what WAR stands for
2: Um I I have no idea
3: <laughs> Well it originally stood for wrestling and romance
2: Oh <laughs> okay
3: <laughs> It's 100% shoot wrestling and romance it later was wrestling association r just the letter because i guess they could come up with a word that <laughs> went so it was wrestling association r but anyway like, like uh, a pirate r yeah i think so but uh that was the promotion and the man we're gonna hear from is a man who rarely spoke if ever in the united states and you'll see why after this uh, he is the uh, madman from the Sudan. This is Abdullah the Butcher.
0: I'm not worrying about these other little gorillas. I am only worrying about 10 Me and my partner, Gocho, is going to beat the living shit out of Tenyu. I've been chasing Tenyu for many, (laughs) many years. Now I finally got the chance to come to Japan and fight Tenyu. He's not hungry no more, but I'm here to beat him up. I'm going to beat him up with my fork, with my fist. And I have something beautiful for Tenyu. Uh, He never felt the fork. But he's going to feel it. I'm going to make sure that this keeps going into his head, into his back, into his stomach. I'm going to shove it all the way up his ass. Tell you. Come after me. I'm coming for you. I dream about you. I can't sleep at nights. But I'm coming ten you. I'm here in Japan now. Ten you. Ten you. I'm not worrying about these other little people who you got around you. I'm going to stop you. Ten I'm going to stop you. Ten years ago, you made a statement. I have never forgot the statement what you made. I remember you in Atlanta, Georgia, when you were hungry. You didn't beat me then, and you're not gonna beat me now. Come on, Tenyu. Taste it. Taste the fork, which is eating you now. Come on, Tenyu. Come on. Come on.
2: (laughs) Unbelievable.
3: So what's this guy's name again, Brian? (laughs) Tenyu? No, actually, it isn't, Brian. (laughs) Does the, not the man's name <laughs> is Genichiro Tenru. and <laughs> <laughs> and he's actually the owner of the promotion. So I don't understand <laughs> how he can call him Tenyu for fifty thousand times. I think he's uh, heeding the words of Vince McMahon. Pronouns, pal. He just calls him Tenyu through the <laughs> entire thing. <laughs> I don't think he uses one pronoun.
2: He's going to uh, shove the fork up his ass. All the way up his ass. <laughs> he's
3: uh, he's dreaming about him, but he can't sleep at night. So I'm not sure how that works exactly.
2: <laughs> he is going to beat the shit out of him,
3: though. <laughs> he is. He doesn't care about the other gorillas. <laughs> this is. <laughs> Do you understand now why that, he was that, the uh, strong, silent
2: type yes, in WCW uh, and everywhere else? That hit me in the right place, Mike. That promo. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so amazing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, he,
3: he remembers In Atlanta, Georgia He was hungry I thought he was going to start talking about How he uh, refused him service At Abdullah's house of ribs and Chinese food Because uh, <laughs> I think that's where it was In Atlanta So <laughs> I thought it was going one direction And boom, went the other direction on me <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, that, was, uh, that was something special buddy That was something <laughs> special Very clear why Abdullah the Butcher Always had a mouthpiece
3: It was, that was a gem, if I do say so myself. You're gonna taste (laughs) the fork. You have to watch the video, folks. You have to go and see the video (laughs) of him like using the fork as a fork. (laughs) Well, first he said he's gonna hit him with his fork, he's gonna hit him with his fist, and. He's going to hit him with this fork again, apparently.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, you have to go and see the video. Find the link to the video in the description of this episode on the NAI Network. Really happy with that one, Brian. It's uh, very rare. It's a hidden gem.
2: It's very rare. <laughs> it is
3: very rare. And uh, yes, yeah, so there's your promo about nothing, ladies and gentlemen. And Brian, the kingpin, you are hitting the highways and byways. Crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and I know you got them
2: dates. Nah, I'm retired. Now you're done. <laughs> <laughs> you're I got weekend? dates, Mike. Come on. Okay. This Saturday night, actually, it's the it's the missus uh, Mrs. Is that is that a word? The
3: missuses.
2: Yeah, actually, it's her birthday, so naturally, I, I'll have a booking. <laughs> I'll be heading out to your old stomping grounds out there in western Massachusetts. Yes, for Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling, I'll be taking on Johnny Torres. Ooh, How about that, buddy. Yeah. Okay. So me and Johnny Torres, first time ever uh, match up there. So David and Goliath. Yes, they're they're calling it Sace de Mayo, and it's out in Hadley.
3: Ah, uh, I get it.
2: it. Is that six? Is that is that six in Spanish? Yes. Mike? Yes. All right. <laughs> you're sí. you're you're my official Spanish language uh, consultant.
3: <laughs> sí, sistema
2: there we go so the very next week the 13th of May I'm heading to lovely scenic Dorchester at Beantown Athletics for UFO Wrestling special bell time of 5pm find uh, UFO Wrestling on Facebook for all the details Friday night May 19th I'm heading to Woburn for chaotic wrestling it's the chaotic countdown 30 men battle for a chance to get a shot at the chaotic wrestling heavyweight championship well I'll be part of that match
3: tremendous yeah,
2: maybe, maybe, maybe I'm on my way to getting that championship back, Mike.
3: I, I would, I would think it's, uh, it's a lock at this point.
2: <laughs> Go to chaoticwrestling.com dot com for all the details. Ooh, I missed one though. I, uh oh. It's a, it's a Wednesday night show. <laughs> Chaotic Wrestling. Uh, the week before that, May tenth, Nashua's Chunky Cinema and Pub. Uh, I think it's a 7pm bell time and go to chaoticwrestling.com for tickets and details also you can find them on all social media platforms
3: an intimate venue, a unique venue, uh, I hear lots of good things about uh, seeing a show at Chunkies.
2: maybe you should come check it out maybe I should <laughs> and then May the 20th Saturday night Beyond wrestling Somerville mass another another one of your old stomping grounds Mike
3: yes some other I will map. be there
2: live in attendance and uh, I don't know who knows maybe it'll be, uh maybe uh, things will get triple XL again that night check out beyond com. also check out Beyond demand for lots of great matches including some of mine on there against the likes of Keith Lee Chris hero JT Dunn flip Gordon and many more
3: fantastic is that it
2: that's it for now buddy
3: all right, Brian, if you want to uh, keep the kingpin rolling here, email him, Brian Malonis at Comcast.net for bookings, or you can DM him at Brian Malonis on the Twitter. All right, before we get out of here, just want to say, Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast, Mike Mills. He does it twice a week on Sundays. It's the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Recap Show. That is Jim Cornette approved, by the way, on Thursdays. It is the original show where they're talking about World Championship Wrestling, the old Saturday Night 605 NWA show, two episodes a week, Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast. It's all on that feed. Find them wherever you get your podcasts. And check in the boots. Referee Tony S., Chip K. Fabe, and they are talking wrestling every Sunday. Find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, everywhere else podcasts happen. And I just want to send a special shout out to the Hurricane Rana. They've been off for a couple weeks, but they're setting up the new 59 Media Studios in lovely Fall River, the hometown of Bobby Cruz. So keep your eye on at the Hurricane Rana on Twitter or Hurricane Rana Wrestling Podcast on Facebook to get all the updates for when the Hurricane Rana is coming back. And congratulations and good luck to Eric and everyone over at 59 Media Studios. And of course, we hope you will continue to listen to the NAI Network all week long. We got DC and Doc Talk. You got your Pipe Bomb with McCool and Company. There's your Rant with Ant. Of course, Late Night Liam. There's Indie pop, And Scotty Slade is hanging out. And eventually, I think we're going to see the inside perspective once again. Keep your eye out for that on the New Age Insiders Network. And if you want to support our efforts... The best way to do so is buying our official T-shirt. The Curtain Jerker WPAN T-shirt is at ProWrestlingTees.com slash NewAgeInsiders. Or you can hit that big blue Shop Now button at Facebook.com slash the WPAN. It will take you directly to our shirt on Pro Teas. We really appreciate your support. Buy the shirt Take a picture. Show us on social media. We would really appreciate that. And we are back on Thursday for the WPAN BDA bonus Podcast featuring this week and every week the Dirt Sheet Shuffle, the BDA bonus podcast, the new official home of America's game. Search the WPAN on your favorite podcatcher or go to BDAradio.com for details. Then you can join us back here next Monday on the NAI Network for episode 55 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Until then, he is the Kingpin Brian Malonis, I'm Mike Crockett, big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing.